Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Let's just jump right into this story. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, now you may be more familiar with the term wise men, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, so that's all the religious elite, all the religious leaders, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And you almost get the sense of, well, okay, that's an easy one. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And now they're getting ready to quote from the Old Testament prophet Micah. Here's the quote. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, so there's the city of Bethlehem in the region of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him. Report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, typically, in, in most cases when you see the text from Matthew 2, it ends at verse 12, but I want to read one more because it's going to give us what really was behind Herod's insistence that the wise men, when they go and find him, hey, come back and report to me so I may go and worship him. So we find out the truth in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother. So take, Jer take Jesus, take Mary, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, here's really what's going behind Herod's motivations. For Herod is going to search for the, for the child to kill him. Now let's say you don't know anything else about Scripture, only this passage, only this story, and you are hearing it for the very first time. I think there are at least three things you'd find strange. First was this incredible zeal of this group of magi, whoever they are, in their search for the child-born king of the Jews, and we'll get to that in just a second, because you might think, well, okay, well, who would that have been? That compelled them to travel this long distance to worship a foreign king who's still in his mother's arms. I find that strange. Go and worship a foreign baby. 
The second thing I find strange is this irrational jealousy of King Herod, the current king. This jealousy that he would have toward an infant born in some tiny, obscure village, a nothing town. And then the third thing, I would find myself dumbstruck by the totally indifferent, apathetic response of the entire city of Jerusalem. Now, that's all going to seem strange if we don't know anything more about the story. And for what we have read in Matthew 1 itself, much less any other parts of the Bible, we do know more of the story. It's all about Jesus. And this is what we learn from Matthew 1. Jesus is from the line of David, so he is king. But not just any king, the greatest of all. The forever king with a forever kingdom. He is also, as we noted in Matthew chapter 1, the long-awaited Savior of us all. Remember, he is to be named Jesus, which means God saves because he is the only one who can save his people from their sins. So let's go back and pick up the responses of these three groups. The response that each one of them had to Jesus, because our response to Jesus, our response to his coming, our response to who he is, will either be like that of the Magi or King Herod or the people of Jerusalem, and how we respond has eternal significance. First, the response of the Magi. Matthew's account of the visit of the Magi is shrouded in mystery. And while there's much that we want to know about them, we are often left to speculate on the things that Matthew doesn't elaborate on. He doesn't give us the details. He's not explicit in the text. For instance, we aren't real certain what the precise meaning of the term magi is, and we don't know where from the east they've come. So at this point, it's necessary to set aside almost anything that you think you know about these guys. Because much of what we have come to understand about these magi come from Christmas carols and Christmas cards, and they're more about imagination than revelation. So if you want to know for certain anything about these foreign visitors, it's only what Scripture tells us, and it's not a whole lot. For instance, we don't know how many there were. We assume three because there were three gifts given. We don't know that for sure. We don't know their names. Now, Armenian tradition tells us that they are Balthazar from Arabia, Melchior from Persia, and Gaspar from India. But Scripture doesn't tell us. Matthew doesn't assign them any names. We don't know the size of the entourage that must have come with them to Jerusalem. We don't know the source of their information other than they followed his star. How did they even know to look for a newborn king? Now, through research, we have come to discover certain things. The Magi were a learned class who had an interest in astronomy, which is consistent with a group of folks coming from Babylon or, or Persia. They obviously observed something unusual 
only described as if they were seeing a, a new star that suddenly appeared. What we can be assured of is the fact that God arranged this astronomical oddity in order to signal to these magi the birth of someone significant. The birth of a child who would be king of the Jews and savior of the world. It's interesting. Matthew's account begins with the arrival of magi to Jerusalem, and yet they don't go and seek out King Herod to find out about the birth of this king. But then again, I, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. Because they knew that it was a baby, not Herod, who was the king of the Jews, they sought. Word must have traveled quickly around the city. I mean, I, I would imagine that Jerusalem at that time, I mean, Herod had his ear to the ground with everything. You know, there were religious leaders, there were military leaders, there were political leaders. He knew what was going on. It's just like if something happened in Monroe, how long does it take for everybody to know? Not long. Word travels. So you can imagine as this group arrives, they're diligently searching. They're, they're sure that the Messiah has come, and this must have caught all of the Jerusalem inhabitants off guard. How could foreigners from a distant land have received such information that, that Jerusalem didn't even know about, that this Christ child had been born? How could a Jewish king be sought by Gentiles to be worshipped? Herod wanted to get to the bottom of it. So he set up a meeting, a secret meeting with these magi to find out a little bit more. But of course, right before that, he asked his own religious leaders, okay, where is he supposed to be born? Well, that's where they get the name Bethlehem. So now the Magi know the town that they're going to be going toward, and as they're on their way toward Bethlehem, the star reappears, and it takes them directly to the house where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are staying. And here's the most magnificent part. Once they come into Jesus' presence, they bow down and they worship Him. We love that. We love that they are so devoted, so willing to make the journey. And it had to be a, a long and arduous journey. And yet it was their deepest desire to get to Jesus. That's one response. Now let's look at Herod's response. We were told in verse 8, what he said to the Magi is, Go and find him, that baby you're looking for. And when you do, come back and let me know so I can go and worship him. And as we already said, verse 13 reveals the true motive. He wants to kill that child. Now, many of us may be a little astounded at the cunning, craftiness, cruelty of Herod that Matthew describes, but those who are students of history aren't going to be so startled. You see, at this time of Jesus' birth, Herod is about 70 years old. He's of failing health, and so it's not going to be much longer that he's going to be around. But Herod never hesitated to use his power to destroy anyone who came between him and his throne. Herod's life history reads kind of like a cheap novel. You can hardly keep track of his wives, his children, and his victims. 
And oftentimes, his wives and his children were his victims. So I'm going to point out to the Salibi family at 11 o'clock service, things could be a lot worse. (laughs) He had no less than 10 wives, 14 children, and at least one wife and two sons were executed. He had them executed, as well as one of his father's-in-law. He repeatedly changed his will, and therefore, who would be maybe his heir? His position and power were nothing short of a combination of paranoid fear and sudden retaliation. So as you can imagine, the news of influential Easterners asking about a child-born king of the Jews not only raised the hair on the back of Herod's neck, but to him, this was something that he had to get to the bottom of, concern for his own kingdom. So Herod begins his investigation. First, he talks to the religious leaders. Tell me, where is this supposed to happen? They point right to Micah. He dismisses them. He calls the Magi in secretly. And in those two meetings, one with the religious leaders, the second with the Magi, he wants to get to two things, the place and the time of this baby's birth so he can execute the kill with more precision. And now that we know about Herod's character, it's never really a question of what he was going to do. It's simply that he needed the information to carry out the murder. That's Herod's response. And then third, there's the response of the people of Jerusalem. The most shocking response to me, it's not that of the Magi so much, it's it's not that of King Herod. To me, the greatest wonder in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth is that of Jerusalem's citizens. The the most significant statement is in verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Now, some scholars have suggested, well, the reason why they're disturbed is because they know that the madman Herod is disturbed. They're in fear. But Matthew says that they were disturbed with him, not because of him. It simply could be that they, too, shared the same concern as Herod. But here's the puzzling thing. The Magi would travel a long distance. In fact, if their starting point was someplace in Babylon, we're talking of a journey of about 745 miles to Jerusalem, assuming on camels, on foot maybe, 745 miles, that's a long way, even more so if their starting point was Persia, now it's about 1,100 miles, and yet all Jerusalem, and I'll put King Herod and all the religious leaders in this this mix. All of Jerusalem failed to find the announcement of the birth of their king sufficient reason to travel, get this, less than six miles south to Bethlehem to check it all out. Yeah, that's the distance. To be exact, it's 5.7 miles due south of Jerusalem is the city of Bethlehem. 
And no one in Jerusalem, no one associated with the Jewish faith, no member of the ruling class, be it political or religious, cared enough to find out for themselves. So why would Jerusalem be so apathetic? For one thing, a helpless baby could hardly fulfill their expectations of a mighty Messiah. I mean, they were looking for someone who would release them from the shackles of Rome, who now had control over them, and they certainly wanted to get rid of that madman Herod. In addition, the reason for the Magi's visit was vastly different than the desire of Jerusalem's inhabitants. The Magi came to give the Messiah their earthly treasures and their worship. They came to the one who would save them from their sins. Israel, however, wanted a Messiah who would give them political freedom and power, and a baby in a manger could hardly advance that for them. To put it simply, a baby had no to little to nothing to offer. So here are the three responses that Matthew records, those of the Magi, of Herod, and all Jerusalem. And these three groups typify our responses to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout history, there have always been those who, like the Magi, have sought out the Lord Jesus Christ, their Messiah, to discover they've actually been found by Him. You know, that's the story of every Christian. To be a Christian means you simply have responded to His pursuit of you. You have surrendered to Him as Lord and Savior, and your greatest desire is to worship Him and let Him impact your life. Then there are those who are like Herod, who wonder if it could be true, but for selfish reasons, don't even pursue it. In fact, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, his rule over my life. He's not my sovereign. I'm never going to claim him as Lord. And finally, there are those like the vast majority of the people of Jerusalem who are so apathetic about the claims of Christ that they won't even bother to make an effort to find out if he truly has come. So let me ask, where are you right now? You see, we all worship something. Whether we devote our most, wherever we devote our most time and attention and energy and money to, that's the object of our worship. It may be our job, it may be our family, it may be our addiction, it may be our pleasure. Now, I'm not saying don't work, don't do family, don't have fun. But more than these things, do you want to know that your sins can be forgiven? Do you want to know that your life has purpose and meaning? then Jesus Christ has come for you. This is about your eternal destiny. And it's not too late. If you've never invited Jesus Christ in, 
do it now right where you are. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.